Let's open God's word together. I'm reading from 1 John chapter 3 and I'm reading verses 11 to 24. The uh, sign at the bottom of my front might well have given that away. So. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what he pleases. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Brilliant, thank you, Dave. Now, in preparing for today's talk, I did a Google search on the sentence, can you know anything for certain? And boy, did I regret that. What a big mistake that was to put that sentence into Google. The search results that came back were full of philosophical discussions about Plato and Locke and and not Simeon and Gemma, because I think they would have made more sense than perhaps what I was reading. They were full of papers from prestigious universities and pages and pages of complicated words and concepts like epistemic epistemology, I can't even say it, and axioms and non-deontological justification. I can't even say those words properly, let alone understand what they mean. And I was left wanting to be certain that there was a way to be certain, to know that something is real and true. And I think that's what the Apostle John has been doing in his letter so far. He's been looking at how we can gain that certainty that we are children of God, how we can know that this is true. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at what the Apostle John's first letter said 2000 years ago and what it still says to us today. 
This is the same John who wrote one of the accounts of Jesus's life, one of the Gospels. And in that Gospel, John wanted to provide information so that readers and hearers would be able to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you could gain eternal life. He wanted to lead them into life-giving faith. But in this letter that we've been looking at for the last few weeks, John has a different purpose. Instead, he wants to reassure people who have believed that they have life-giving faith. His readers were being pulled in directions that were knocking their faith and their assurance in who Jesus was and what he had done for them. John wants to reassure them and to help them. He wants to set them back on the right track. And our passage for today carries that on as we look at two different ideas. Firstly, that we need to know that we should love one another. And secondly, that we need to know that we belong to the truth. So our first point for the evening is knowing that we should love one another. Knowing that we should love one another. Our passage in 1 John mentions Cain, and we find the story of Cain and Abel in the book of Genesis. It's it's not a pretty tale, but it's right there at the beginning of the Bible. Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's children. Cain was born first, Abel came afterwards. Cain worked the soil, Abel was a keeper of sheep. They were in a relationship with God, even though they were out of the Garden of Eden, they were in a relationship with God. And part of that relationship meant that they brought offerings to God. Cain brought things from the fields and Abel brought some of his flocks. But there was something wrong with Cain's offering. Abel brought the firstborn of his flocks, the best, the choicest meats, And that was pleasing to God. Cain did bring an offering, but he didn't bring the best. And that offended God. So God warned Cain that evil was crouching at the door, ready to devour him. That evil was waiting to capture him and hold him in its grip. What did Cain do with that warning? Instead of apologising to God and changing his attitude, Cain carried on down this path of evil, staying under the devil's authority. And his hate for his brother grew so strong that he ended up murdering him. God punishes Cain for that. John uses this story to show us that as people following God, people under his authority, those who are not under God's authority, maybe even close family, will hate us for following him. So it should come as no surprise that the world hates believers. It's part of humanity's sinful nature to feel this way towards God's children. It's been that way since Cain and Abel. In fact, in John's gospel, Jesus says these very words. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. But there is an answer. 
John tells us that the way to counter this is to love one another. It feels quite strange, but actually the way to counter this hatred towards us is to love one another. We should love our brothers and sisters just like we were told from the beginning. That's what it says in our verses tonight. And from the beginning means these very words that they heard from Jesus's own lips too. The instruction mentioned in verse 11 is the one that Jesus left to his disciples when he sat with them in that upper room at the Last Supper. He said this, it's again in, in John's Gospel. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. These words are Jesus's own words recorded by John himself in his gospel, his account of Jesus's life. They were a clear instruction from Jesus to all his followers that they should show themselves to be his followers by loving one another. This is the message that the disciples heard at the beginning, and it was the message they passed on to others. Just as Jesus loved them, so they were to love one another. Loving our fellow believers shows that we have passed from the realm of death into the realm of eternal life. It reassures us that we are children of God and not children of the devil. Loving our brother and sister won't get us into the right relationship with God. It won't save us. But it will show us that we have passed from being under death's authority to the authority of life, the authority of God. And verses 16 to 18 spell out what this love for our brothers will look like. Our Lord Jesus came to this earth and laid down his life for us. He was falsely accused, arrested, tried, found guilty, although there was no guilt in him. He was flogged, beaten, spat on, mocked, and finally nailed to a Roman cross to die. And he went through all of that for you and for me. So that we have the opportunity to become God's children. Through his death and resurrection, we have the chance to be adopted into the heavenly family. There was no other way. It had to be done that way. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. And that is the example that John says we are to follow in our love for our fellow believers. That selfless, sacrificial love for fellow believers. Now, it's unlikely that in the UK we will be asked to actually die for other believers. But let's let's not kid ourselves around the world. This is happening to our brothers and sisters. And that is a sobering thought. But fortunate, even John in his letter doesn't see dying for one another as the normal experience for most Christians. Instead, he says that we should support other believers when we see them in need. If we see a fellow believer in need and we have the money, the possessions, the time or other resources to help, then we must do so. No ifs or buts, we must help. Otherwise, as John says, how can the love of God be in that person? 
and the number of passages that speak of the Christian's responsibility to help his brother or sister in Christ reveals that this is a really significant issue for those new churches in the New Testament and and therefore really important to God's. Beginning in the earliest days of the church, its members gave from their possessions to meet the needs of fellow saints. You can see that in Acts. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in his lesson, a letter that he questioned whether one's faith was active or ineffectual if one failed to meet fellow believers' needs when they came to him or her for help. The Apostle Paul collected monies from the churches that he established to carry to Jerusalem to help the impoverished church there, too. So all of these things are focused on fellow believers. This isn't about uh, other injustices or, or social evils that we might see in and around us. This is about the love filled duty that we have as believers to help out our brothers and sisters, other children of our God. We shouldn't ignore other issues in society, don't get me wrong, and we shouldn't ignore problems in our families and in our communities, but we do have a command from Jesus to love one another. John ends by encouraging us not only to love our brothers in word and speech, but also in actions and in truth. Can you just imagine if I said to Becky, I love you and sat around and watched TV all day and all night? My words would be empty. They would be meaningless if I didn't also do things to back up the words that I say. Now, if you have never, ever loved another brother or sister in Christ, then yes, maybe you should look back at John's gospel to understand the love of Christ that brings you into this family of God's children. But for most of us, we will at some point in our lives have shown love to other believers. I know that for my family, we have not only felt the love of Christian brothers and sisters, but we have seen it in action. Uh, An example that came to mind to me when I was preparing for this was when the Brexit vote happened in June 2016. As a foreign national, I felt unloved and unwanted in the country. But literally a few days after that very weekend, I went to the CVM gathering event, the men's event down in Swindon with about 30 blokes from Caterham and thousands more from elsewhere. The tangible love that was shown to me by those blokes over those few days made me know that I was loved by my brothers. The words that they said and the way they behaved meant that I knew I was loved by my brothers. And I don't mean to embarrass you guys that were there. We men don't like to show our emotions, but, you know, there we go. Thank you very much. But have we all shown that love consistently since? I know probably I haven't. But we've got to try to grow in our consistency in how we show our love to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got to have our eyes open to the needs of our family of believers and have hands that are willing, willing to give to those who need it. 
that's part of this daily walk of sanctification, of becoming more holy, of becoming more like Christ. And in our current lockdown lives, there are plenty of opportunities to do that right now. And there will be plenty of opportunities to do that into the years ahead. We heard this morning about the idea of getting in touch with someone, going for a walk and a talk and a pray together. That is a great way to get to know someone better and to see what needs they might have that you might be able to help with. But the impact of this lockdown will be felt for years. It will be felt beyond the next few months. There will be many, many chances for us to show our love for one another. If we see a need, we must respond. When we see a fellow believer in need as a child of God, out of the love we should feel for our brother and sister, we must do something to help. So the first thing to note from what John has written is therefore that we know we should love one another in actions and in truth. Well, that leads on to our second point for tonight. Knowing that we belong to the truth. And as I was preparing to speak on this part of John's first letter, I was starting to get really down about it. I started to reflect on whether I could honestly say whenever I've seen a need at church or elsewhere in the Christian world, I have responded by helping in any way I could. Have I shown love to my brother and sister in Christ every time I've seen him or her in need? And the answer is, if I'm being honest, probably no, almost definitely no. But the Apostle John has a massive pastoral heart. He's writing the letter about the year 90 AD, about 60 years after Jesus has died and been resurrected. But John's understanding of where his words would take people's thoughts are as relevant today as they were back in the first century to the people who first read this letter. He knows that, like us, they were probably either beating themselves up about needs amongst brothers or sisters in Christ that they hadn't helped with, or even worse, they maybe were even doubting that they were true believers, real followers of Jesus. This is the sort of doubt that was being sown in the minds and the hearts of those original listeners to John's letter. But John knows this. And it's the same feeling that we today might have as we listen to these things. These things that he's written in in his passage and in previous ones, too. You know, in fact, in, in quite a few of the passages that we've been we've had over the last few weeks, we've been leading up to this point. And we've been leading up to the point where we might have doubts about whether we were even children of God, whether we were children of the truth. John starts by writing that what he's going to say next is how we know that we belong to the truth. That we belong to God, the father and his family and how we can have rest, have assurance that we are his children. And let's be real here. It's not unusual for a believer in Christ while they are looking to walk God's ways to have our assurance disturbed, to sometimes doubt whether we can have that full and total assurance 
but we are not to let that inner voice overcome us. Sometimes our conscience can rightly accuse us that we're not walking God's ways. Sometimes it will be the accuser, the devil, who will sow those doubts in our minds, those false accusations that can feel so real. But instead of feeling rocked by it in our assurance, instead of feeling condemned, we are to look to the only judge who matters, not our minds and our hearts, not to our fallible intellect or to the devil's lies, but to the one judge of every situation who is infallible, who never makes a mistake and has all the facts to hand. To the one who knows our deepest thoughts and desires better than we do. We are to look to our all-knowing God. Nothing is hidden from him. We are to look to our merciful judge to help us at that time. God is greater than our hearts and minds. He knows everything. This is what Cain failed to do. God knew that in his heart, Cain hadn't put God first. And when confronted by God, he didn't repent. He didn't change. He carried on and made things worse. And it's by knowing in our minds the truth that's mentioned here, the truth that stands the test of time, the truth that isn't dependent on us or on how we feel. It's by knowing this that we will be able to quell the disturbing that can happen to our assurance. What about what John says about the times when our hearts don't condemn us? Why would they not condemn us? Well, the reason given by John here is that we can have tranquil tranquil hearts through obedience to God's commands and by doing what pleases him. If we are trying to live in accordance with God's will, we will be at peace. Cain did not have a heart that was at ease, that was tranquil. His was a disturbed heart, one that wasn't obedient to God or doing what pleased God. Brothers and sisters, doesn't the idea of a heart being at rest and at peace sound so inviting? To have a heart so in tune with what pleases God that we can have that close relationship, that close communion with him, to be able to approach him, not like someone accused approaching a judge, but as a child approaching their father. What child who who loves their father and obeys him wouldn't feel at peace in his presence. And John points to the command that must be obeyed to help achieve this happy state for us. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. We are to believe that God's very own son, Jesus Christ, gave up his divine position in heaven to become a man. That he lived, taught, walked, healed, stopped storms, miraculously fed thousands, even raised the dead. That Jesus walked into Jerusalem knowing that he would die that very week, having been falsely found guilty. We're to believe that he rose again three days after his death to take away our sins, yours and mine. 
that his death makes us pure and spotless and blameless in God's eyes. That his death makes it possible for us to be adopted into God's very own family, even though we don't for one second deserve to be raised to that lofty position. We're to believe in Jesus Christ and to love one another. We're back to the earlier part of our passage from today. We are to love our fellow brothers and sisters in just the way we looked at earlier. Both of these things are actually in a single command that we are to keep. They go hand in hand. Without believing in Jesus, we are not in any position to be able to love our fellow believers. Obeying this command provides evidence, shows that we belong to the truth, that we live in Christ and he lives in us. Faith and love are brought together in this command and obedience to it shows that we live in God and he lives in us. And the spirit whose presence is the test of Christ living in us manifests himself objectively in our life and our conduct. It is he who inspires us to confess Jesus as the Christ, come in the flesh. It is also the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live righteously and to love our brothers and sisters. So if we want to set our hearts at rest, if we want to be reassured that we belong to the truth, when our hearts accuse and condemn us, we must look for the evidence of the Spirit's working. And particularly whether he is enabling us to believe in Christ, to obey God's commands and to love our brothers and sisters. So in summary, throughout this letter so far, John wants us to know, wants us to have more and more certainty that we have the life giving faith that we need. He wants us to understand that it is possible for us to know this is true. When we believe in our Lord Jesus and in what he has done for us, we can be assured of our salvation. But our day to day walk after we have come into uh, after we have come to faith (coughs) is, is a walk of ups and downs. Days when we get it right and many days when we get it wrong. But that daily walk of sanctification, of trying to become more and more like our Lord, is what we are called to do as God's children. And we're to do that through our passage today by loving our fellow believers. You can look around at Oak Hall Church and at many other churches too and see the love that is shown to fellow believers. You can see that love in action. But we are human. And this side of eternity, we are not perfect. So we've got to grow in our consistency of loving our brothers and sisters. We're called to do this in love, in love for our fellow believers. So can we know anything for certain? Well, John wants us to know that when we see this love taking place in our lives, we can know that we have the life-giving faith from Jesus. And when we have the spirit in us, working his various ways in us, we can know that we have that life-giving faith from Jesus. So yes, uh, even though 
Google might confuse us. It is possible to know, to truthfully know that we are children of God. And it will show itself in our love for other believers, for our brothers and sisters. We're in a, in a couple of minutes going to go into breakout rooms and Andy's going to um, assign us to those in a, in a short while. But I'm just going to pray now. I'm going to pray for some of the things that we've looked at this evening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your words. We want to thank you for the words that you have recorded here in this letter. Words that encourage us to love one another, to love our brothers and sisters, the members of your family here on earth. Father, open our eyes to the needs that are around us. Help us to see the the different things that we might be able to do to help our brothers and sisters, whether that's in Catrum, whether that's further afield. Help us to see what we can do to show the love that we have for your family. Father, help us to, to have that certainty of the truth that we live in, that certainty that, that we believe in who Jesus is and what he came to do. Help us to, to know that truth in our hearts, even though we will be knocked and, and deceived by things, Lord. Help us to know that that is true in our lives. When we have come to understand that Jesus walked this earth and died and came back to life for us. But help us to live by your commands. Help us to to not give up when we stumble along the way, when we get things wrong. Help us to carry on. Help us to, to get up and try again. Help us to not be discouraged by the times when we get it wrong, but help us to carry on that walk of holiness, that time of trying to become more and more like your son as we live on this earth. So help us to do that, Lord, by showing your love to one another. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.